Welcome to the CSIS Podcast. I'm Colin Quinn, and we're back today talking about America's longest war, Afghanistan. Just last week, President Trump announced a new policy toward the war, one based on conditions rather than timetables, taking a harder line on Pakistan, engaging India, and shifting the mission's focus to targeting terrorism first and foremost. We are not nation-building again. We are killing terrorists. Today, we're going to hear from David Sedney, a CSIS senior associate, on America's journey in Afghanistan and whether, after 16 long years, this new strategy can work. I began my involvement with Afghanistan actually in uh, the late 80s when I was on duty in the White House Situation Room uh, when the uh, Soviet troops pulled out. And uh, there was all the celebration from this, uh, these people who had been devoted to getting the Russians out of Afghanistan. And I remember thinking at the time, what next? And then um, 12 years later, 9-11 happened. And what next was I was asked to go to Afghanistan uh, to be the uh, charge d'affaires in charge of the embassy until an ambassador came and spent time there uh, as the charge and the deputy ambassador uh, right after we uh, went into Kabul. Then came back uh, a little over a year later uh, when things started going poorly. And we needed to try and have a review of Afghan strategy, which of course sounds familiar because there have been many reviews in the, in the subsequent 15 years, and a lot of perceptions of failure. Uh, that period of time, when I went back the second time, 2003 to 2004, was probably the high point of our success in Afghanistan. We started helping to support the government. We started to build the army in an effective way, and we started putting pressure on Pakistan all things which we're still trying to do 15 years later. The problem then is we got distracted by uh, Iraq, and we put all of our efforts into Iraq, and for the next, really, decade, Iraq dominated our military political efforts in that area. I went off and worked in China for a while, worked on China and East Asia for a while, came back to Afghanistan in 2009 as the Deputy Assistant Secretary of Defense in the Obama administration, I was asked to do the job uh, because of my background in Afghanistan. I knew all the top leaders. I'd gotten to know President Ghani, President uh, Karzai, uh, Dr. Abdullah, all the top leaders, and got to know them pretty well during my early time there. But the reason I took the job was because I believed in what President Obama said during a campaign. He said Afghanistan was the right war, Iraq was the wrong war. I firmly believe that. He said that he would get Afghanistan right. He even at one point said that he would win the war in Afghanistan. And that is why, as president, I will make the fight against al-Qaeda and the Taliban the top priority that it should be. This is a war we have to win. But when he came into office, he began to drift away from that. And during the process of several strategic reviews, it became clear that the more he thought about Afghanistan, the less committed he was. During that time, as Deputy Assistant Secretary of Defense uh, for Afghanistan, Pakistan, and Central Asia, working for Secretaries Gates, Panetta, I found uh, myself becoming increasingly um, morally discontent because we were sending American troops into a war. They were dying, and it was a war that the president didn't believe in, that the president wanted to get out of. But he would still send people there. So we had this odd thing in December of 2009 where we had a surge but we also announced a withdrawal at the same time, which gave both Pakistan and the Taliban the very clear message that we weren't committed to success in Afghanistan because they didn't have a 
one-year timetable, an 18-month timetable, a four-year timetable, a 2016 timetable, all of the timetables that President Obama had, they had a goal, which was to win. And that's still their goal. The Pakistan and Taliban's goal is still to take over Afghanistan. So in May of 2013, uh, after struggling with this and uh, having a very interesting session uh, on Capitol Hill with uh, Senator McCain, I decided that I had to resign. I could no longer continue working for a president who was carrying out a policy I didn't believe in. After that, I became a um, uh, senior associate here at CSIS, worked with some other think tanks, uh, did some writing, but also became a member of the Board of Trustees of the American University of Afghanistan. Last August, when the Taliban attacked the university and killed uh, 15 people and uh, also kidnapped two of our professors, I was asked to go out to be a crisis manager. I went out to help uh, solve the crisis, ended up a couple of days later being the acting president and spent most of the last year as president of the American University, uh, getting it up and running again, massively increasing its security, and finding that the Afghan people are so committed to a new future that in the words of one of our students, I'm willing to die for my education. The area that I went back to in Afghanistan uh, in 2016 last year, I first visited in 2002 when it was a complete desolation. It looked like Dresden after World War II. It looked like Aleppo uh, did, uh, if you saw those pictures. It looks like Mosul looks today. Today, however, 15 years later, I was first there in 2002, 15 years later, it is a hustling, thriving area of Kabul with almost 3 million people. When I first went there, it had maybe 50,000 people. People are building apartment buildings. They're building businesses. People are going to school. Uh, this is a society and a people who have made huge strides that no one in the world pays any attention to. The Taliban continue to attack. The security, especially in the countryside, continues to get worse. But the vast majority of Afghan people want a better life. And that has made me committed to doing what I can to help the United States get Afghan policy right. So it's 2017. And the Trump administration has announced this new strategy. Uh, how new is it? And, and what's it going to take for the U.S. to, quote unquote, win in Afghanistan? Well, the U.S. has been in Afghanistan for almost 15 years now. The problems there are actually fairly clear, and they've been the same problems. So the problem set hasn't changed. The difficulty for the United States is deciding whether it is important enough for the United States to devote the level of energy, effort, and resources that are necessary to address that problem. And the answer for the previous two presidents, President Bush and President Obama, was no. President Bush focused on Iraq. President Obama focused on getting out. President Trump inherited a really difficult problem that his two predecessors didn't solve. In fact, you can argue that President Obama actually made things worse. So I have a lot of sympathy for the difficulties that this administration faced in making its decision. And I think the broad outlines of their policy are correct. And I think they are different than the past. The first thing, the most important thing, is a sustained commitment to Afghanistan because as long as the Taliban, as long as Pakistan believe that the United States is leaving, then they're going to want to win militarily. They're not going to want a peace settlement. They're not going to want partial victory. They're going to want total victory. When you are fighting a war, you want to win. You only look for solutions less than winning when you feel you can't win. 
So the first thing is that commitment from the United States. And for 15 years, that commitment has been ambivalent. We have been ambivalent about Afghanistan. And I think the President Trump's policy goes a certain way towards that. However, the problem with what President uh, Trump said is he made these strong statements against nation building. And for the last 15 years, Afghanistan, the nation of Afghanistan has been building itself, but it needs help. The less help we give it, the longer the security problems will continue. So that's problem one, ambivalence and commitment on the part of the United States. Problem two is Pakistan. Pakistan has been committed to using Afghanistan for its security interest for well over 30 years. The United States worked with Pakistan during the 80s when we were both resisting the Soviet invasion. We stood to the side while Pakistan helped the Taliban take power in the 1990s. And since then, we have been carrying out an ambivalent policy towards Pakistan because Pakistan has helped us in some areas regarding terrorism. Pakistan has suffered from its own terror problems, and we are sympathetic to that. Pakistan has nuclear weapons, which we are concerned will fall into the hands of terrorists. All of those are serious, difficult issues. But at the same time, Taliban has continued to shelter and support the Taliban who kill U.S. troops, who kill Afghan civilians, who continue their efforts to, from their perspective, to win in Afghanistan. And we have never taken that clearly on. President Trump's statement about taking a stronger line towards Pakistan is exactly right, but still remains to be seen what it's going to comprise. And the biggest question of all is, can it be effective? Pakistan has suffered U.S. sanctions before over nuclear weapons. Pakistan has fought and lost four wars with India, but continues to carry out terrorist, continues to support, Pakistan continues to support terrorist activities in Afghanistan and terrorist activities in Kashmir and India that are destabilizing for the entire region. So getting Pakistan to change its behavior is something that a lot of people, a lot of governments, there's been a lot of effort to make happen and hasn't happened yet. So I think the Trump administration is in the right direction, but it depends on whether it can make uh, progress in, in an area where no one has been able to make progress before. Now, some of the things they're talking about, uh, such as bans on travel by Pakistani military and security leaders, ending non-NATO ally status, and what I would very much support, a consideration of designating Pakistan as a state sponsor of terrorism, which would lead to serious and effective sanctions on Pakistan, uh, are things that might work, but there's no guarantee they will work. The third part of the administration's strategy is India, asking India to do a, a to do more in Afghanistan. India has done a fair amount. Uh, they've done a certain amount of economic assistance, some humanitarian assistance. Uh, they've provided some scholarships for Afghans to study in India, but there's still a lot more that India could do to help Afghanistan. I would certainly not support Indian military serving in Afghanistan because that would result in, a, in some kind of armed conflict between Pakistan and India. But India could do a lot more to support Afghanistan security forces, help them build an air force, help them with helicopters, light attack aircraft and such. So there's a lot more that India could do. And finally, although President uh, Trump didn't mention it, uh, the role of regional powers, particularly China, Russia, and Iran, but also others such as Saudi Arabia, Turkey, those are all countries that c 
could do more to help the situation in Afghanistan, and even more so, could do more to put pressure on Pakistan. That's going to require a lot of really skillful diplomacy, which the, the uh, book is still open as to whether that's something that uh, this administration is capable of. One of the comments that uh, Secretary Say Tillerson made is that the U.S. may not win, but the Taliban won't win either. At what point, or is there a point where negotiations with the Taliban happen when the U.S. And, and Taliban and others will have to come to the table? I think that the Secretary Tillerson's uh, statement is a strategic is strategically flawed. Uh, the history of insurgencies coming to the negotiating table is they come to the negotiating table when they think they can win more at the negotiating table than they can by continuing to fight. So the idea that one side can't win and the other side can't win leads to negotiation is unfortunately not proven by history and hasn't been proven by the last 15 years of our experience in Afghanistan. There have been times when we, along with the Afghan government, have done better than the Taliban and the times when the Taliban have done, and aligned with Pakistan have done better than we have. But never has there been a decisive tipping point that has meant that negotiations were uh, were something the Taliban wanted. In order to have negotiations, both sides have to want, want them. One of the huge errors of the Obama administration was a almost maniacal focus on negotiations. But the steps the Obama administration took made, made negotiations less likely to succeed. In particular, when the Obama administration exchanged five prisoners from Guantanamo for Sergeant Bo Bergdahl, what they told the Taliban was, if you hold the line long enough, the U.S. will cave. The Taliban had been seeking that exchange uh, since they captured Bo Bergdahl in uh, 2009. Um, and in the end, they got it. After years of the American administration, the Obama administration saying they won't do it. So in order to have people come to the negotiating table, they have to feel that uh, it's in their interest. And right now, the Taliban's interest is in winning. That's not going to happen until there's some fundamental changes on the ground in Afghanistan and in Pakistan. So finally, it's no secret that there's not much appetite in the U.S. for this war. But tell us what it's like from what you've seen for the people in Afghanistan. The Afghanistan has basically been at war for almost 40 years. The Afghan people are tired of war. But from my time in Afghanistan and my interactions with Afghanistan, people from Afghanistan all over the country, from all walks of life, they don't want the Taliban back. They, the life that they have created, the life that people live in the city of uh, Kabul now, in Herat, in Kandahar, in the places actually the majority of Afghans live in cities today. They're no longer primarily a rural people. Um, where you have ice cream shops with 50 different flavors, where you have, some of our alumni uh, from the American University have opened one of the best coffee shops in Kabul, despite the fact that the Taliban have threatened to, to, uh, to bomb it. Um, there are people starting software industries. Um, last uh, month, uh, the, Obama, the uh, Trump administration made a great decision in allowing the Afghan girls robotics team from Herat to come to the United States, where they competed successfully and they returned to Afghanistan. Those are the things that really typify what the Afghan people want. So yes, they're tired of war. They would love peace. But even more, they don't want to be Talibanized. They don't want to be uh, subject to Daesh, ISIS, which is a growing threat in Afghanistan. So the Afghan people will continue to fight. The Afghan army continues to fight very well. 
But right now, it doesn't have sufficient resource and sufficient support. I'm hopeful that the Trump administration policy will lead towards that greater success. But the focus needs to be on building up the Afghan military forces, supporting the Afghan state, and putting pressure on Pakistan. And that was David Sedney, former Deputy Assistant Secretary of Defense for Afghanistan, Pakistan, and Central Asia, and now a senior associate at CSIS. We're going to be back to our usual schedule from now on, so I hope you'll join me again next week. As always, thanks for listening.